When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Army and fellow music fans, I'm Kayla. And I'm Bethany, and we're the hosts of Standing BTS from the Consequence Podcast Network. We're a bi-weekly show that covers the impact and legacy of K-pop group BTS. We mix the perfect blend of research and fangirl as we take a deep dive into lyrics during album reviews, theorize over music videos, and keep up with their current events. No BTS topic is off limits. We welcome everyone into the conversation, whether you're a casual fan, committed ARMY, or someone who's just curious about one of the biggest music groups in the world. Come chat with us every other Thursday with a new episode wherever podcasts are found. Hey, it's Adam. Today, I want to recommend a podcast to you called Our Opinions Are Correct, hosted by Charlie Jane Anders and Annalie Newitz. Every other week, Our Opinions Are Correct dissects a different topic related to science fiction, science, and everything in between. They've talked about everything from how to write a good fight scene to the death of the universe. Charlie Jane Anders is an award-winning author of several science fiction novels, including recently released Victories Greater Than Death. Annalie Newitz is an award-winning science journalist who writes for The New York Times and The Atlantic. Together, they will befriend cosmic monsters. Subscribe to Our Opinions Are Correct on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Hello, and welcome to The Spark Parade, a show where I geek out with artists and entertainers about their cultural spark of inspiration. I'm Adam Unz, at Spark Parade on all social media. I'm back, baby! I had a lovely, relaxing vacation, and now I'm energized and ready to give you some delicious content. I've got tons of great stuff lined up for the rest of the year. So get excited, and it all starts right now. Uh, it is time to carry on with the Aussie Kiwi Mini Festival that got interrupted by all of the live show recordings in October. So the next few episodes will feature some fantastic artists from down under. Uh, and I'm kicking things off with my chat with Ambrose Kenny Smith of the bands The Murlocs and King Gizzard and the Wizard Lizard. Uh, we spoke about Ambrose's Spark, which is the self-titled second album by Emmett Rhodes. Um, it's a short, sharp chat, and I think that's a great way to ease you back into hearing the sound of my voice. So let's get to it. Quick Ambrose facts. Ambrose Kenny Smith is an Australian musician best known as the vocalist, harmonicist, and guitarist for rock band The Murlocs, and as a vocalist, harmonicist, and keyboard player for the rock band King Gizzard and the Wizard Lizard. The Murlocs released their fifth studio album, Bittersweet Demons, earlier this year. Quick Emmett Rhodes facts. Emmett Rhodes is the self-titled second album by American singer-songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, and recording engineer Emmett Rhodes. Rhodes sang, played every instrument, and produced the entire album, earning him the nickname The One Man Beatles. Although the album was critically acclaimed, it was only a modest hit at the time. It has since become a cult classic and is referred to as a major influence by numerous musicians and singers. And there you have it. 
a brief introduction to a brief chat, uh, and uh, let's get to it, shall we? Here comes my chat with Ambrose Kenny Smith about Emmett Rhodes. Um, so, first question is always, uh, do you remember hearing this album for the first time or, or getting turned on to it? Yeah, yeah. I was, um, I was on tour in the States, and um, our good friends all were supporting us, and my yeah my old mate um Jamie Harmer who plays in Orb picked out the record for me when we were crate digging at some record store and said oh you love this one and um yeah I didn't know anything about it and then as soon as I like bought or whatever a bunch of the other guys and stuff were just like oh yeah Emmett Rose yeah sick and then uh, yeah and then listened to it and then just listened to it like nonstop for ages um it just became obsessed as uh yeah it's, it's so cool it's just like i guess he came from an era when he's people were trying to rip off the beatles but he seemed to just nail it in such a cool and like unique sort of way um yeah and it's just i watched that doco recently on youtube about him like mm-hmm. or whatever about the record and how he like played all the instruments and like made up fake names for the session musos and stuff and yeah yeah it's just I don't know, he's such an enigma of a dude and is yeah, it's just such an amazing record. It's so cool. Um, Somebody Made For You is probably my favourite track that um, resonated with me a lot. And, um, yeah, and it was, in hindsight, it's probably what sparked Bittersweet Demons as well, trying to write songs on piano and stuff more yeah. for the first time. It It is like the story of the the music is is one thing like this amazing album and then mm. the story of making the album the circumstances around it is another thing and then mm. kind of the story of what happened to him after the album came out is this whole other thing so it's like this really mm. complicated um quite sad but like there's you know good hopeful things that happened to him too um but just like frustrating yeah. says a lot about like the shittiness of the music industry the shittiness of record labels and how people can just be very ruthless with artists um mm. but uh just getting back to like the the creation of this album and how amazing it was like in his parents garage by yeah, himself yeah. Like, I think he knew how to play some instruments and he taught himself how to play the other ones. Like if he wanted a a sound that he, you know, he needed, he Mm. didn't have money to pay anybody else to do it. So he just like taught himself how to play instruments, taught himself how to use a four track, um, Mm. and just was like running back and forth, you know, like turning the machine on, getting little bits recorded and, um, putting everything together on his own. And when you listen to this mm. album, it's like, it sounds like a band. It sounds like it's so full. Yeah. Um, mm. So yeah, really uh, like an absolutely extraordinary achievement, even if the album had sucked, just like having the the wherewithal to do it yeah. by himself in 1970 um, and tw- mm. 20 years old as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's incredible stuff. It's really cool. What's the... So what was the aftermath? I'm like, I can't really remember. It just sort of didn't really go anywhere as such. I'm not sure what happened. So while he was uh, starting to make this album, he sold like some instrumental tracks or something to a label and got a, a contract off the back of that. He released this first uh-huh. album 
and it did, you know, like didn't light the world on fire, but did reasonably well. And Mm -hmm. the contract that he had signed required two albums a year. And he's like, fuck, I'm like, I'm one guy on my own doing this first album is like an absolute mission. And the pressure of trying to produce another album was just enormous. And it took him a year to get the second one together. And the label sued him for breach of contract and the album bombed like nobody bought it. Then he ended up making another album. I think that took him another year ish to make. And that one did worse than the second one. And he had like all these lawsuits and all this debt. And he just said, fuck this, I'm done. And left the music industry was just like a kind of jobbing studio engineer for the next 40 years. And he, uh, you know, had friends in the music industry and like occasionally there were a couple of record deals that he tried to get over the years that fell through, like the label dissolved or, or whatever, just like more bad luck. And then he made one more album that, you know, people who were fans of his found him and he made this album that had all these famous people on it. Um, and that was, I think, in 2009. And then he uh, he just died last year. Yeah, that's right. He died last year. Yeah. Yeah. That really topped off 2020. Yeah. 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 As if we anybody needed any more uh, disasters or upsets or mm. anything. Yeah. Yeah, wild. Yeah, that's I didn't know all that. Um, that's that's deep stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. So I guess like, um, you know, like you were saying, the the music itself gets compared a lot to the Beatles. Like he his the sound of his voice gets compared to Paul McCartney. Um, yeah, yeah. But it doesn't sound like you know a Beatles cover band or mm. anything. It's like it's it's mm, very yeah, much yeah. his own thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really know much more. I'm just seeing like the encyclopedia of Emmett Road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is really just, you know, a lot about uh, how how the music makes you feel and, the, you know, your relationship to it too. But um, I think it just brings up other stuff about, uh, you know, the stuff I was saying about the way that the music industry can kind of beat people down, that it's like, this guy who's mm. super talented, um, just, you know, it wasn't anything that he did wrong outside of, you know, maybe being naive and, you know, yeah. not really knowing what he was getting himself into with the contract, but it totally mm. fucked his life and made it so that, you know, he was so ready to just like make music and really, you know, be this force and it all just got crushed. Um, and yeah, it's just really sad. Yeah, it is shattering. Happens to the best of us. Mm. But yeah, that first record, you can just tell it's just so innocent and just like, yeah, it's beautiful. It's just, I guess it's because, yeah, you get drawn to it because it's familiar in ways, but it's also so fresh. So, yeah. And um, yeah, I just love some of the lyrics and stuff and melodies and everything. It's just, it's just amazing. It's just such a, sick album i'll almost you know you listen to it like it's it's like a the new beatles or something it's kind of once you yeah once i discovered it i remember just being so into it and it was on repeat constantly Mm because it was that same like excitement of hearing something in that same vein but done in such a 
yeah, such a cool way. And then you just get more pulled in as you find out more about him. Mm. Yeah, it's crazy. I can't believe it was only like 20 when he did that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely insane. Yeah, he started like he uh, started making music for the first time like he was in a band when he was 16 um, Mm -hmm. and got one album out of that and then just, you know, went off on his own and did his own thing. But um, like what you were saying about the music too, just like uh, I think um, like – you know, uh, Emmett Rhodes super fans get really annoyed when people say that he sounds like the Beatles and it's like, it's inescapable. He does like, it does sound like Beatles stuff. Yeah. Um, undeniable. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, like that, the documentary is called like the one man Beatles and it is yeah. that kind of thing that it's like, um, even on just this one album, you can feel like the kind of, there's like kind of, rockier tracks and like sweeter kind of uh you know acoustic like melodic tracks and so it feels like Mm. again like a whole band has created this and there's like different influences coming in and whatever but it's all just this one guy doing every single Mm -hmm. thing it's absolutely mind-boggling yeah just envisioning him in 1970 or whatever running back and forth with the tape machine and doing like drum takes and whatever else it just just sounds insane no wonder he was freaked out by doing having to double it up every year yeah yeah and i don't know if i don't know what the deal was like how much i think he he got five thousand dollars in as a an advance i don't know what that translates into in uh 2021 money but um yeah just like having a limited amount of money that he could use to you know I think he bought an eight track with the money um, and just like put all the yeah. money he had from recording back into it. Um, but he, in interviews that I've read with him, he seemed like he, it wasn't something that he could just go, well, this, you know, I had this experience in my life where I was like, you know, making music and didn't pan out and I moved on and had a good life. It's yeah. like really this dark cloud that kind of hung over him his whole life. And I think he was really bitter and sad about it. And that's like, it's understandable um, when you have that promise and people are telling you that you're like this, you know, amazing artist who's going to really shake everything up and then nothing comes from it. Yeah. 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 That'd be shattering. Yeah. It wasn't as well. And that like five grand, wasn't it something was that to, was that five grand? That was after the, the self-titled album is that what you're saying i think it was at the time like he was he'd already started my understanding is he'd already started recording that album when he got his record contract so he mm. started making it on a four track and then he used this i think i, I it this is you know yeah i think it's something like that i remember hearing he got money from the label and then he made up fake i fake session musicians mm. stuff to pocket the money yeah. he made up fake fake names and aliases or whatever and it was all just him yeah. and they're all like listed on the record and stuff and he just because yeah he just needed the money i guess and just didn't want to pay anyone out yeah and also just wanted to have the equipment that he wanted and like he didn't have any money yeah that's what i wanted to do it his own way and all that yeah yeah and like he was just you know a really young guy i think he was still living with his parents and it was like you know just doing it in there shed yeah he's only like 20 so. <laughs> yeah yeah um but yeah just like uh 
all, all of that promise and just thinking about like the excitement of being signed and like, you know, thinking that people were on his side and were going to make stuff happen for him. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a plastic story, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And he just, he said later on that it was like, you know, it felt like the label just kept kicking him and kicking him and kicking him and their, their expectations were so unrealistic and they just were not flexible at all with, you know, just like trying to give him time to to make the stuff happen that he needed to happen to make another album. And, yeah. Um, so it just ended up being this like very sad mess. <laughs> yeah. Poor, yeah. Poor guy. Yeah, what's the? I mean, I've listened to a bit of that second album. So, what he did three, you're saying, and then the fourth one in 2009. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I think. Let me uh, consult my uh, fact checking device here. Yes. Mm. Uh, oh no, 2014. 2014. Yeah. Um, Damn. And what was he? I, I guess in that YouTube doco, is that the same one we're talking? It's the same. It's, I imagine yeah. probably only the yeah, one. Yeah. yeah. And then it goes to like his trailer or whatever. He lives in that like um, caravan thing or whatever. Mm. And just always stuff everywhere, a bit of a hoarder's situation. And... Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, um, that's all pretty full on. Yeah. He also ended up living across the street from his parents' house, the one he grew up in. So, um, like yeah. not only having this really traumatic experience and having his dreams kind of shattered, but like staring at the place where he made this music every day. Um, uh, <laughs> No wonder you'd be bitter. Yeah. It's not the best way to like move on from something, is it? Just yeah. move across the road. Yeah, seriously. But it's also like he, um, there's a guy named Shuggy Otis who's like, um, yeah. you know, he, he had a, a similar story where it's like he made all this music really early on and then David Byrne re-released his, his first album and there, he had this kind of resurgence and, um, you know, started kind of having a career again, but it was again, like 40 years later. And it feels like the same kind of thing that there's like, uh, Susanna Hoffs from the Bengals and John Bryan and, um, Amy Mann, like all of these famous people were on the album that, uh, Emmett Rhodes did in, in 2014. And he had all of these mm. fans. Like, I think Mac DeMarco said that he was a huge influence on him too. And, um, yeah, all of these people who have been listening to this album forever and thinking mm. it's the most amazing thing in the world. And I kind of got the impression that, uh, Emmett Rhodes didn't really feel that for most of his life, that it was just like, he felt like he was forgotten. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, there's definitely lots of those situations. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's heaps of similar stories, even like Rodriguez or something. Mm -hmm. Even a weird one. It must be so strange, yet like frustrating and leaving or something mm. at the same time. It would be so confusing. <laughs> You're yeah. like thrown in the towel and think it's all over and no one gives a shit. And then one day you wake up and you're like massive and other side of the world whatever right yeah I, I i just feel like i don't know i don't know if he ever it was always like cult status like you know very on the fringes of yeah things, like the kind of like your experience of it where somebody's like hands you the record in a record store and it's like oh check this out you like this um but not something that was like had a large enough underground foul following that you know he had tons of record sales that were I, don't, I mean i don't know if he would have even gotten any money from 
the record, I'm assuming that because of the way the contract was, he, uh, he didn't make any money off of it. But, um, yeah, once I was handed the record, then I, I would just start seeing it all the time at record stores, to mm. be honest. Always just sort of sitting there somewhere, maybe even two copies or whatever, you know, kind of like gathering dust a bit. Yeah. It kind of just looks like one of those sort of thrift store bin records or whatever that would just sit around forever and no one would know. Yeah. But yeah, I'm so glad that I've, I was spewing. I didn't know about it earlier, to be honest. It's mm. only a couple of years ago and I've felt like I was behind everyone else. <laughs> like, I mean, it was just me and him at the record store and then taking it back to like the venue or whatever and, and listening to it on repeat. Everyone was just like, oh, Emma Rhodes again. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it is like, it, it's such, uh, it's such great music and you know, mm. if you've never heard it before, then tough shit, everybody else. You're gonna have to listen to it. Yeah. Time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's sick. Classic, classic songwriting. Yeah. Very cool. And actually I shouldn't paint him as like the, the most miserable man in the world. If you look <laughs> on uh, Facebook, there's like a Emmett Rhodes fan page or something that was his like, you know, as close as he had to an official Facebook page. And oh, cool. all over the wall on that Facebook page are like just candid photos that people who knew him posted and they're like oh here he is in you know <laughs> 1997 we're just like hanging out and blah 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 so that's that's kind of cool like seeing that you know <laughs> I have to go follow that yeah, yeah just like you know having fun and um you know living uh uh life that wasn't all just misery and like you know staring at a picture yeah. of his uh recording contract and crying <laughs> yeah 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 so he, he, I guess he didn't really do much else for work after that. Judging by that docker, it seems like he just sort of lived a pretty minimal, minimal life and just kept making music though. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was like, we worked, he had a studio in his house that he rented out to people and he did some engineering. Oh. He produced a couple of albums that were for people I'd never heard of before. Um, mm -hmm. But mostly just like on the fringes of, uh, the music worlds rather than actually participating. And he said that he kept writing music that he'd done tons and tons of demos. And he's like, I, you know, I don't know if these will ever get released. That was like in 2002 or something, that interview. So I'm, I don't know if any of those demos made it onto the album that he, he made in 2014, but, um, mm, yeah, he must have so much stuff st stored away. Yeah. Yeah. His, he's got, um, three kids as well. So, I mean, he, he only died, like, oh, wow. uh, you know, yeah. October or something. So, um, I'm sure there's a lot to sort through, but you know, maybe someday there'll be, uh, like lost tape recordings or something like that. Yeah. The Emmett Rhodes two album. Yeah. 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 That'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And a nice, you know, fitting tribute. I was thinking of, I was actually like when I read that, uh, interview where he was saying that he had, you know, recorded all these demos. It was like, it would be like a nice legacy if he ended up having like a few albums that were really successful after he died, but also just like such a fucking shit. Oh, like, oh <laughs> this thing that he wanted his whole life happens after he's dead. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Probably will happen. I hope it happens more than it doesn't happen, you know? Yeah. There'd be some justice to it in a sense but it's yeah it'd just be that we would catch 22 yeah well at least we've got this one classic album to remember him by 
Yeah. Did he ever collaborate with anyone else or do anything after, like, in those periods? Or is he just sort of his own own one-man band? Yeah. The, those three albums he, that he did, he did all by himself. And then mm-hmm. um, he, yeah, I think he recorded a, a few things here and there. There was, like, a, a tribute album that came out with other artists doing songs from the first album. Um, and... You know, he had a bit of a following because, like, Wes Anderson put um, Lullaby in the Royal Tenenbaums. And, uh, oh, right. Okay, cool. Yeah. So there's, like, you know, pe- people were aware of him. He had kind of a, a following and stuff, and, and he did record little yeah. bits and pieces, but only that one other album, um, not, nothing else uh, major. So Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's wild, but it's such a, again, classic story of the – one man band bedroom artists getting frustrated with the industry and things not working out instantly, you know, yeah. it's kind of like, it's anyone, any, anyone sort of just working away on something for so long and you just get stuck in your own head. And it's so easy, I guess, to just like throw it all away or get negative and, you know, get, get annoyed that things aren't working out the way you pictured they would be when you started to make this, this thing that you know is good, mm. you know, but just not reaching that audience that it needs to. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's such a classic thing. It always, yeah. It's freaks me out when I see it happening to like friends or anyone, you know, like sort of try and try again. And then it's just, yeah, I don't know. You, you just think you would try and do it in a different way or, I don't know. I guess people get so just attached to their babies, you know, mm. and it's hard to just sort of share it around. Yeah. If you haven't, if you haven't grown up sort of doing that. Yeah. With this, it felt like he, he hasn't really said, he didn't really say anything uh, explicit except like, you know, they just kept kicking me when I was down and blah, blah, blah. But he was, he was 23 when he stopped making music or just, just about to turn 24. Um, so he was still oh, right. really he young. Stopped. Yeah. Um, and just never, uh. you know, for ages and ages, decades didn't do anything. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Right. I thought he was just sort of chipping away in the meantime. Yeah. I mean, who, who knows what he was doing privately, but he like, he, he gave up on the music industry. He was like not wanting to, um, and I guess if you have a really terrible experience like that, where, you know, you're getting sued by a record label and, you know, uh, it's, yeah. it's really overwhelming. It's this really traumatic thing that happens when he's really young. Maybe that was enough mm. to just say no more. Um, but it does make yeah. me wonder what would have happened if he would have just said, you oh, this is bad, but I, this is my dream and I've got to keep plugging away at it. And um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think you just, yeah, that'd be pretty hard to bounce back for sure. Yeah. But yeah, ultimately, it just it would just shatter you because if you don't try and bounce back and you know make keep making records to try and get the money back or whatever you got to do, it's, yeah, it's hard. Yeah. I guess it, it would have really crushed him, especially at like a twenty-three-year-old, and you know, maybe his family didn't have enough money, and there's probably a few things that you know he was like, all right, I'll probably just have to get a real job or like you know, yeah, do what I can to survive through these times. Yeah, and just doing it on his own as well. Probably not having other people to like say, "What should I do now?" 
or like not having people in his life who were also in the industry and and actually knew what his options were or whatever. Yeah, um, that'd be terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't imagine. I've been lucky enough to have the right people and talented friends and, you know, enough people around me to make it all fun, you know, and when those moments get weird, you just at least have someone to bounce things off, you know. Mm. It'd be crazy not having a soundboard or, like, anything while you're in the midst of, like, getting sued by a record label yeah. living in like a small town or wherever. Like where, where did he live in, in the States? Uh, in California. I have no idea. <laughs> Somewhere in California. No, I've never heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> but he was born in the, uh, in the Midwest and then his family moved to California. Uh, Hawthorne, California. Hawthorne. Hawthorne. Yeah. I'm like it's, uh, yeah, it's in like LA County. So. Oh, okay. Uh, right. Yeah. Interesting. So there you go. That's the uh, depth and breadth of my uh, Emmett Rhodes knowledge <laughs> imparted uh, on you. That's great. So. That's heaps. <laughs> I'm um, glad I picked that record for us. I would have probably never known any of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you did too. This was a good. This was a good chat. Um, thank you so much. This was this was really fun. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm gonna go listen to Emmett Rhodes discography now. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Thanks again. Take care. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Yay. Thanks again to Ambrose for chatting with me. Uh, The Murlocs' latest album, Bittersweet Demons, is out now. Okay. Quick cultural spark of the week from me. Uh, It's going to make me sound really basic, but it's Dune. Uh, I know that this is not exactly a hidden gem that I've uncovered, but it's so good. I love what the director, uh, Denis Villeneuve, does with sci-fi. He directed Arrival and the Blade Runner sequel. And all three of these films are so beautiful to look at and have such an interesting take on the aesthetics of futuristic technology. And with Dune, I think he did an incredible job of condensing a very complicated mythology into something accessible and exciting. And I really can't wait for the second part. So, uh, There you go. That's about it from me for today. There's another chapter in our Aussie Kiwi saga coming to you on Friday. So you don't have to wait that long to hear from me again. But for now, be good, stay safe, and until next time, bye. Hey there, robo-fans and dino-fans. Do you like science fiction? Do you like movies about robots and dinosaurs? Do you like podcasts that explore sci-fi philosophy through a fun and positive lens? Then you are going to love Robots vs. Dinosaurs. Every week, your host, Louis G, invites a guest onto the show to talk about one of their favorite sci-fi movies. It's a robocast. It's a dino-cast. It's a battle for ultimate awesomeness in science fiction pop culture. Subscribe to Robots vs. Dinosaurs on Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes every Friday. Follow us on Instagram at Robos v. Dinos or Twitter at Versus Robots. That is at VS Robots.
Thanks for listening to the Apocalypse Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, go to apocalypsepodcastnetwork.com. And remember, every time you support one of our sponsors, you're supporting the podcast you just heard. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.